in case you've missed previous episodes of the True State. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. This is the real reason why the gospel of Jesus Christ is rejected. It is not rejected because of the actions of other Christians. It is rejected and denied by men who love darkness rather than light, by men who refuse to have their deeds reproved before the Lord for people who ultimately refuse to repent. People who say, nevertheless, not your will, my will be done. These are the people who are sentenced. It is not the body of Christ's fault, it is theirs. Any man or woman who would teach you anything else in the name of creating a false doctrine, in the name of starting false movements, these are to be marked as deceivers. They should be rejected. He that is ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of him before my Father. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I can be arrested if you want. I can be arrested if you want. What's your face? You put your hand. You better. You better. You better. You better even make your life with the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you doing? I am preaching. You are preaching. I'm going to require you to go away. You can never. Okay, then I will arrest you for a breach of peace. Plain and simple. What breach of peace is what you're doing at the moment? You're causing problems. You're disturbing people's days, and you're breaching their peace. Okay, so for me, for that to be dealt with, if you won't go away voluntarily. We'll have to I you. will not go away because I need to tell them the truth. Because Jesus is the only way. The truth. Jesus is the only way. The truth and the life. I appreciate and that. Nobody. I appreciate that, but nobody wants to listen to that. They want you to go away. Oh, you don't want to listen to that. You will listen when you are dead. You will listen when you are dead. You will listen. Take me, take me. No, 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 don't, don't take my Bible away. Don't take my Bible away. Don't take my Bible away. I gave you the simple option. Don't take my Bible away. No, you're not taking it away. Before that, sir. Okay, no problem, thank you. Whatever you like, you can even do. He that is ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of him before my Father. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation.
Oh, it is me, it is me, it is the Luminary. And you're listening to the truth stand from Charlotte, North Carolina. Saying you can chase a lot all over the world, but the truth, it stands where it stands. And we're taking a stand here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am once again in the glorious truth stand studio, a.k.a. the second room in my house. I am behind the Dell Experion Laptop 6, whatever, whatever. I am recording on Audacity. I am in front of the blue snowball microphone. To the left of me, as always, is the trusty and always reliable Galaxy Tab S4. To the right of me, as always, I have the... Pixel 2XL, it is on airplane mode, and the new addition to the family, the Tech Watch Pro Smartwatch, it is on my wrist, but it is also on silent mode because I have much, much, much to say. Yesterday I did a podcast about the phony, phony Islamophobia story coming out of New Zealand. I understand it is a tragedy. It is horrible, 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 horrible. But my point in yesterday's episode, which you can get on the truthstand.org, the truthstand.org, T-H-E-T-R-U-T-H-S-T-A-N-D dot O-R-G. Once again, that is the truthstand.org. And that is episode, well, it's called the political truth number two. And basically, my point of that show was that I hear the cries. I hear the concerns. I hear the lamenting over this horrible, horrible tragedy. But my point is, where is the outcry for the Christian church? Where is the outcry for all of the persecuted Christians? And I told you yesterday that I was going to do an addition to that show this Sunday on the Sunday edition on the truth stand. And the article is simply put, 11 Christians killed every day for their decision to follow Jesus Christ. This is from a website known as opendoorsusa.org. That is O-P-E-N-D-O-O-R-S-U-S-A dot O-R-G. They do great work. They do great reporting on the Christian persecution and the saints that are being persecuted in Muslim countries, in Hindu countries, in Sikh countries. It doesn't matter what the false religion is. The church of Christ is being persecuted. And nobody, and I do mean nobody, is wringing their hands, lamenting all over the death of the Christians at the hands of Muslims. Nobody. And the reason for that is because the other story, the one that happened to the people in Christ Church, which that's odd, it's a Muslim mosque, but it's named Christ Church. I don't know the story behind that. But nobody is wringing their hands about the Christians, but they're all crazy about this New Zealand story. And the reason why is because it's political opportunism. You have people that are trying to blame the NRA. They're trying to blame Donald Trump. They're trying to blame everything under the sun. Islamophobia. So we can then push another political agenda. And the political agenda is twofold. One, to silence Christianity. And two, it is to, once again, indict America as the big racist country that we are and to demonize Donald Trump for the fact that he wanted to bar certain Muslims from coming from certain terrorist countries that we have known that are involved in state-sponsored terrorism. But of course they said that was a Muslim ban, which is a lie. But this is the agenda. So see, Christians dying for worshiping the Lord, that's not an agenda. See, so many stories of Christians dying in this country at church only get reported if there's some other political or racial agenda attached to it. Like what happened in South Carolina with that guy Dylan Roof who went into the historical black church and shot those nine blacks who were there. See, that had a racial component. So that's why that was a big story. But the stories that are happening 
all over the country. Those aren't big stories. Stories that are happening all over the world aren't big stories. Why? Because you can't fit it into a political agenda. But I want to remind you of what's going on in the body of Christ. So I'm going to read this article here. It's called 11 Christians Killed Every Day for Their Decision to Follow Jesus. And as I said on the previous podcast, once again, Political Truth episode number two on the truthstand.org, 11 Christians per day times 365 days. That's over 4,000 Christians a year. And guess what? I guarantee the number is more than that. That is just the average. With that being said, let me read this article to you. Here's the poor quote. The Christian persecution we read about in scripture and history books is not a thing of the past. It still exists. Today in the 21st century, we are living in a time when persecution against Christian believers is the highest in modern history. According to Open Doors 2019 watch list, it's an in-depth investigative report focusing on the global Christian persecution. Persecution is increasing at an alarming rate. Research for the list includes or indicates that each day a staggering 11 Christians are killed for their faith in the top 50 countries ranked on the world watch list and then it says below we have the 10 most dangerous places for a christian to be in where saying yes to following jesus is truly a life or death decision i want you to hear that again deciding to say i follow jesus is a life or death decision that's why i am so horrified at the cheapening of the gospel in this country of the complete bastardization of that and i'm going to have some closing remarks about that in a few minutes with that being said Number one, North Korea, number one country hostile against Christianity, although Canada is coming right behind it, in my opinion anyway. It says, in North Korea, Christianity is the number one enemy of the state. For three generations, everything in this isolated country has focused on idolizing the leading of the Kim family. That's Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il. Christians are seen as a hostile element in the society that must be eradicated. There was hope that new diplomatic efforts in 2018, including the Winter Olympics, would mean a lessening of pressure and violence against Christians. By the way, no work of man is going to stop it because this is what's supposed to be happening according to biblical prophecy. But I continue. But so far, that has not been the case. In fact, reports indicate that local authorities are increasing incentives for anyone who exposes a Christian in their community. If Christians are discovered, not only are they deported to labor camps or even killed on the spot, their families to the fourth generation share their fate as well. Communal worship is non-existent. Daring to meet other Christians for worship is a risky feat that must be done in utmost secrecy. Yet, Open Doors estimates the number of Christians in North Korea to be 300,000 strong. Believers are defying the unjust regime and following Jesus. As a matter of fact, many are having Bibles snuck into North Korea. And regardless of the persecution that they're facing, there's still people being converted to Christ. It also it reminds me of what happened in scripture when the stoning of Stephen happened and the dispersal of the church began and Saul, who would later become Apostle Paul, was threatening them and Christians were scattering and they were sharing the gospel under persecution. Almost every time you see persecution, not only in scripture, but in our history, the church grows. Amazing, isn't it? Hostile country number two, Afghanistan, where Christianity is not permitted to exist. 
Afghanistan is once again a close second behind North Korea on the 2009 World Watch List. An Islamic state by constitution, the country does not permit any faith other than Islam to exist. To convert to a faith outside of Islam is tantamount to treason because it is seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, country. Very often there is only one possible outcome for exposed and caught Christians, death. In Afghanistan, converts are considered literally insane to leave Islam. As a result, some may end up in psychiatric hospital and have their homes destroyed. In addition to communal pressure, the security situation continues to deteriorate due to the influx of foreign militants who have pledged allegiances to ISIS. And the radical Islamic Taliban have also increased in strength. At least half of Afghanistan's 34 provinces are either ruled or contested by the Taliban. Afghani Christians, most with Muslim backgrounds, are hiding as much as possible. In Somalia, Christians are considered high target values. Estimates suggest that 99% of Somalis are Muslims and any minority religions are heavily persecuted. The Christian community is a small and under constant threat of attack. In fact, the persecution of Christians almost involves violence daily. Additionally, in many rural areas, Islamic militant groups like the Al-Shahab are de facto rulers who regard Christians with a Muslim background as high value targets, often killed on the spot when discovered. And I just have to say something here. You know that that Muslim congresswoman from Minnesota, the, it's not Rashid Tlaib because that's another one, but it's Ilhan Omar. She is from Somalia. Now keep in mind, she's been anti-Semitic. She's mocked Mike Pence for his Christianity. This woman is crazy town and she's a complete bigot and an open racist of the Democrat party. You Christians who support Democrats, you. And this is the country she comes from. Just keep that in mind when you hear Representative Ilya Omar from Minnesota. Keep that in mind. Getting back to the article. In recent years, the situation appears to have worsened. Islamic militants have intensified their hunt for people who are Christian in a position of leadership. And an attempt to reopen a church in some place in Somalia failed. The government was forced to shut down, shut it down due to pressure from local Islamic population. In the World Watch List 2019 reporting period, Christians in Somalia remained so vulnerable to attacks by Islamic militants that in the interest of security, Open Doors could publish no specific examples of persecution. Think about that. They couldn't even tell you specific examples because they're trying to protect the people who are being persecuted. Just think about it. Think about when people reject America and they diss your country. Think about it. Just think about the kind of country you live in where you could go to church, where you can open your Bible, you can pray. Well, although in this country, as you've listened to the truth stand, that's under duress all the time now. And guess what? It's not going to be too long before we become like these countries. I guarantee it. We might, we may not become exactly like them, but the hostility towards Christianity in this country is ratcheting up on a daily basis. As a matter of fact, I read an article from The Atlantic where it talked about how non-Christian the white Democrat candidates really are and how the Democrat Party, at least the whites in the Democrat Party, do not recognize God. They're not religious or they're typically anti-religious. They're more to say that religion is a cause of division and not unity or whatever. Also, in 2012, the Democrat Party tried to make God an official part of their platform, and the people booed 
booed, booed. One day I'm going to play that video for you. But that's who you're dealing with. Libya. Number four, believers in Libya face daily violence. After the ouster of former dictator Muammar Gaddafi, Libya plunged into chaos and anarchy, which has enabled various Islamic militant groups to control parts of the country. Libyan converts to Christianity face abuse and violence for their decision to follow Christ. The country is also home to many migrant workers who have been attacked sexually, assaulted, and detained, which can even be worse if your Christian faith is discovered. Libyan Christians with a Muslim background face extremely violent and intense pressure from their family and the wider community to renounce their faith. Believers from other parts of the continent are also targeted by various Islamic militant groups and organized criminal groups. Few will forget the horrifying video of Egyptian workers martyred by ISIS. Militants on the coast of Libya, the level of violence against Christians in Libya is very high, and Christians in Libya are subject to violent and inhumane and degrading treatment. Pakistani Christians. Under Pakistan, notorious blasphemy laws, Christians continue to live in daily fear they will be accused of blasphemy, which can carry a death sentence. The most well-known example of these laws is the Asia Bibi case. After sitting on death row for more than 10 years, the Christian wife and mother was acquitted of blasphemy charges. Think about it. 10 years of your life gone. Think about that. For that reason, the new ruling government must maintain good diplomatic relationships with some radical groups. Christians are largely regarded as second-class citizens, and conversion to Christianity from Islam carries a great deal of risk. An estimated 700 girls and women abducted each year are often raped and then forcibly married to Muslim men. Now, that's common right there. The slave trade and the forced conversion to Islam, that's very common in that area. Usually resulting in forced conversions. While traditional and historical churches have relative freedom for worship, they are heavily monitored and have been regularly targeted for bomb attacks. For example, and it gives an example of a couple bomb attacks. In Pakistan, all Christians suffer from institutionalized discrimination. Occupations seen as low and dirty and derogatory are often reserved for Christians, like becoming a garbage collector because you're considered a chura in Pakistan. That is the equivalent of the N-word in America. Many Christians are very poor, and some of them are victims of what's called bonded labor. In other words, sold into slavery. On the other hand, many Christians belong to Pakistan's middle class. However, this does not save them from being marginalized or persecuted. Now, stay with me, people, because I know I'm doing a lot of reading, and I know that sometimes when you're doing a lot of reading, it can just seem like, oh, God, there's so much information. But I encourage you, listen, if you have to stop and then start again, please do so. Remember, you can also download this podcast so you don't have to feel the pressure to stream it exactly from the website. Just download it. Listen to it whenever you see fit. As a matter of fact, this is the type of episode I believe you should just download onto your phone and just store it and then listen to it again and again and then also play it for others because so much of this so much of this is so unknown, is so underreported. Not one American media personality, not one conservative is going to give you this article. Not one. Not Ben Shapiro, not Rush Limbaugh, not Larry Elder, not Mark Levin, not Sean Hannity, not Fox News at all. Barely the Christian media barely mentions this stuff. Like CBN, they'll mention it, but that's about as far as they'll go. It'll be one three-minute segment and it's over. 
Number six, Christian converts in Sudan targeted for persecution. Sudan has been under Islamic rule by state authoritarian government of President al-Bashar. Al if, you, if you're uh, familiar with al-Bashar, you've heard his name in the news lately. Under his charge, the country offers limited rights for religious minorities and places heavy restrictions on freedom of speech or press. Last year has been difficult for Christians in many ways. There have been many arrests, many churches have been demolished, and others have been on an official waiting list for demolition. And many Christians are attacked indiscriminately in areas like Nubian Mountains, where there is an ongoing conflict between government forces and rebel groups. Christian converts blame Islam, or Christian converts from Islam are especially targeted for persecution. So to keep from being discovered, converts will often refrain from raising their children as Christians because this might attract the attention of government and community leaders. You know what kind of reminds me of? Reminds me of the homeschoolers. Most of the homeschool people are Christians, and they don't want their kids being raised, well, raised by the public school system who they know is going to teach them nothing but depravity and debauchery and teach them all the evils of this world, okay? They know this, but in our country, you can't do that. There are all sorts of states trying to crack down on homeschooling, trying to create rules, trying to create laws so you can't teach your kid what you want to teach them. It's disgusting. And you see that in these countries as well. Now, I realize that that's different from in Sudan where they're trying to not raise their kids Christian or they're trying not for it not to be so obvious. But at the same time, it has similarities. Christians imprisoned in shipping containers in Eteria. That's E-R-I-T-R-E-A. Eteria is a country. No, no, let me read that headline one more time. Christians imprisoned in shipping containers. In 1993, President Afwerki, that, that's how you pronounce it, has overseen an authoritarian, brutal regime that rests on massive human rights violations. And during the 2019 World Watch List reporting period, the government security forces conducted many house-to-house -house raids and imprisoned hundreds of Christians in inhumane conditions, including small shipping containers in scorched heat. Protestants in particular face serious problems in accessing community resources, especially social services provided by the state. Christians from non-traditional church groups, such as evangelicals, face the harshest persecution. In Eteria in 2018, Eteria embraced an end to hostility for both Ethiopia and Somalia. How that agreement will play out in the situation with Christians remains to be seen. This extreme pressure and state-sanctioned violence are forcing some Christians to flee Eteria often called Afri Africa's North Korea. Africa's North Korea. Stay with me. Stay with me. We only got a couple more, and this is about Yemen. In Yemen, you have civil war and famine. An ongoing civil war in Yemen has created one of the worst humanitarian crises in recent memory, making an already difficult nation for Christians to live in even harder. Let's see if we skip around here. Christians are suffering from the general humanitarian crisis in the country, but the Yemenese Christians are additionally vulnerable since emergency relief is mostly distributed through Islamic organizations and local mosques, which are allegedly discriminating against Christians who are not considered to be pious Muslims. Converts to Christianity from Islam face additional persecution from family and society in Yemen. The small church is comprised mostly of Yemenese Christians with a Muslim background who live faith, live their faith in secret. 
They face persecution and it's illegal to convert and it's legal to preach in Iran. In this gateway to the Middle East, Christians are forbidden from sharing their faith with non-Christians. Therefore, church services in Persian, the non, the national language are not allowed. Converts from Islam undergo persecution from the government. If they attend an underground house church, they face constant threat of arrest. As a matter of fact, there's an article where a hundred Islamic, uh, I'm sorry, a hundred Iranian Christians were arrested and kidnapped. They didn't go to their homes. They just found them wherever they could find them. The government sees them as an attempt by Western countries to undermine Islam and the Islamic regime of Iran. Leaders of the groups of Christian converts have been arrested prosecuted and have received long prison sentences for crimes against national security. In December, to crack down on Christians sharing their faith, Iranian police arrested 100 Christians in one week. That's what I was just talking about. Making a blatant statement to both Christians and Muslims, Iran is also infamous for its prisons and inhumane treatment of Christians. And last, India. Now, India is disgusting. In the world's second most populous country, Christians saw an unprecedented persecution on numerous fronts from both the state and general Hindu society. For the first time, India enters the top 10 on the world's watch list, jumping from 11 to number 10. Home to more than 1 billion people, even an incremental rise in persecution yields an exponential impact. Since the current ruling party took over in 2014, Hindu extremists have fueled a crackdown on Christian house churches and have attacked believers with impunity, believing that to be Indian is to be Hindu. So any other faith is viewed as a non-Indian. In rural areas, Christians were told that one church would be closed down every week because they have been destroying local tradition and culture by luring others to convert to Christianity. And it is common for Christians to be cut off from local water supplies and be denied access to government-subsidized groceries in India, saying yes to Jesus has become a risky decision that cost you and your family greatly. And if you want to read more, if you want to see the full list, all you simply have to do is go to opendoorsusa.org. That is O-P-E-N-D-O-O-R-S-U-S-A dot O-R-G. And that's the list, people. Just think about it, people. Just, just sit and think about your walk with the Lord. Think about the freedoms that you have in this country. And think about the many ways you've missed an opportunity to show the world who you are in Christ because you're afraid. Because you're afraid people will talk bad about you. You're afraid that you'll be criticized. You're afraid. Look at these people unashamedly for Christ. These people don't just go to church. They have to secretly meet and gather and guess what these people may only be able to gather maybe once a month once every two or three months maybe i could just imagine just how precious gathering with the saints is for them i could just imagine in some of these countries where these people don't even have bibles just how precious the scriptures are to them and yet we in this country we in this country we can be so lazy in our faith. We can be so spoiled rotten when it comes to God. 
when it comes to our lives. We want this. We want that. I fear for those Christians. I fear for those Christians who are preached this false prosperity gospel or worse than that, the gospel that's not really a prosperity gospel, but it's a gospel of, I want to make you feel better. I want to make you feel like you can accomplish anything. The gospel of affirmation, the gospel of worldly accomplishment, because see what these people do is that they take the fruits of the true godly relationship, the peace, the joy, the strength, the riches in his glory. They take all of that. They extrapolate the fruits of it. And then they juxtapose it with the world's concepts of the same thing because the world has peace. The world has joy. The world knows what it's like to have a life affirmed and to have a life that's prosperous and to be happy and content and things like that. But the Bible is clear that that stuff will perish. But what these false teachers do is that they take the fruits of what it's like to be a Christian, juxtapose it with the same concepts in the world and call it spirituality. And that's false because the real reason why we are able to be happy as Christians, the real reason why we're able to have joy and strength is not based upon anything that we can get from this world. And a lot of the false teaching in this world is all about telling me how I can get all that stuff in the world, but just God's way. I can be, I can have all the accomplishment, all the affirmation, all the possessions, all the quote victory and all that kind of stuff, but we're just going to do it God's way. And it's disgusting because that is not what the Bible teaches. That is a false doctrine. The joy and the peace we get is from our time with the Lord, our being in the presence of the Lord, us walking faithfully and holy with the Lord because he is the source of those things. And the joy that we get and the strength that we get has nothing to do with what we get down here on this earth and what we can tangibly see, what we can tangibly receive. That doesn't mean God can't do things for you. That doesn't mean God can't open doors for you. I'm not saying that at all, but a lot of what is taught in most of these churches is falsehood. And it leads to a doctrine of apostasy where you get the misunderstanding that faith is all about what God has to do for me, what God should be doing for me. And if I'm not getting what I want in life because I think that happiness, joy that he's to give me, he's going to give it to me through the world. He's going to give it to me through achievement. He's going to give it to me through getting a girlfriend or a boyfriend or getting married. He's going to give it to me by having children by having possessions and all these sorts of things, then when it doesn't happen, your faith falls apart. You are the seed that was sown among thorns. You're the seed that was sown among stones. Math, that's the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, I believe that parable is there. It's called the parable of the sower. Parable of the sower. But that's what happened. It creates a false notion of faith. And then when that stuff fails, you blame God. And then you fall away. I fear for those Christians because what are you going to do when the true persecution comes, when the true rejection comes, when the true, true enemy, well, not the true enemy, but when the devil ratchets, ratchets it up even more, when the devil succeeds in what he wants to try to do in this country, Satan wants to port that stuff from over there to 
right here in the USA and I just fear what is going to happen to you because if you think faith is all about stuff if you think faith is about anything you can achieve in this world and we're just going to do it God's way then my friend that is a false faith that is the faith of apostasy and when these men and when you're brought before kings to bear a testimony unto him you will fail when you are being tried when your faith has been tried by the fires of hell you will fail You've been listening to the truth stand. I am the luminary saying you can chase law all over the world, but the truth, it stands where it stands. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be right back. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say.